0: Hi, I'm Adam Murray. Subtle Disruptors is about pondering two questions. What does it mean to live well in this moment, given the context within which we find ourselves? And how can we shape the world we live in so that it becomes closer to the one we want to inhabit? I do this by talking with people who you probably haven't heard of, but who I think are embodying a fascinating response to these two questions, and doing it in a way that involves subtle changes all of us can make. I want you and I to get as much as possible out of these stories, and to feel encouraged connected and resolute in our own quests of subtle disruption. This week I'm talking with Ruby Lee. Here is a little bit from Ruby.
1: I think If you look at why a lot of great talent leaves an employment market, it's because they don't feel they're in an environment that fosters their own personal interests. I think that's what it really comes down to.
0: Some disclosure is required for this week's guest. Ruby is all about things people-related at the company I actually work for, including recruitment and HR. Typically, it would be difficult to interview anybody from the company I work for, let alone the person with Ruby's role. But after a quick word from our sponsor for this week, I'll tell you why this is possible with Ruby. A brand new product to market, Roy Ming Company produced the highest quality fresh mints you can find, and through a connection to local artists, have created an entirely different mint experience. Available only at select coffee shops, partnered locations and online. You can learn more at RoyMinkCo.com and share their journey by following Co. on Instagram. I joined PwC at a strange time in my life. On the one hand, I was starting to think some more radical thoughts about economic systems. And on the other hand, I wanted to learn the game and earn some good money. One of the thoughts I remember having at this time was about HR. I speculated that the aim of this role was to find ways to screw employees without them realising it. Fast track almost 20 years, and I find myself sitting with the HR person of Cogent, the company where I work, talking about the very opposite. Ruby is from a corporate HR background, but started asking some questions about whether the restrictions of expression placed on employees was actually good for them or the places where they worked. Now working in an environment where she is free to express her opinions and to have her own side hustle, Ruby is also empowering others to do the same. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoy listening to Ruby Lee on the subtle disruption of the human-corporation relationship. Good to be chatting with you.
1: Great to be chatting with you.
0: Do you want to start by telling us where you've chosen for our conversation and yes. why?
1: Yes. So today we are at Team Square. It's a co-working space, bunch of startups and entrepreneurs based out of here. Cogen are based out of here, who I recruit for, and it's... Yeah, I think it's just what it means to me is quite a bit. It's the first environment I've been in where it's been out of corporate land and very much in startup land. Yeah. And it has really changed my world. Yeah. And I love it here. I love the energy. I love the minds that are here. You can bump into people in the hallway and just ask them what they're up to. And it's amazing hearing their stories. Yeah, And- I get genuinely excited to come here every day and find out more about individual stories and it's great, yeah.
0: Yeah. Were you aware that this world existed before you came here?
1: I think I was mildly aware, but I never thought it was so in reach, especially for what I do. I had this sort of perception that you had to be a developer or really into tech and it wasn't something that could particularly suit someone with my background and the career path that I've come from. So, yeah, I think in finding it, it just really opened up my eyes to this whole new world. And I'm still learning every day. I'm just about a year into this whole world and there's just things that continuously surprise me.
0: Yeah. In a good way. In a yeah. good way. <laughs> so we, we know each other because I work at Kojin as well. Yes. And I'm a product manager at Cogent, and you're looking after all the recruitment, and I guess your role's expanding a little bit, from what you've been telling me. Yes. What did you think this world was like before you got here, in comparison to where you were?
1: Oh, gosh. I honestly thought it was a bunch of 20 to 30-something-year-olds who wore cool clothes from the op shop and had a bunch of beards and <laughs> wore, you know, thick-rimmed glasses. And it was very much, you know, I think a bit of a um, a really cool faraway land that I thought, oh, I'd never really be a part of that, but all the cool kids hang there. Yeah. And so, you know, I was in a very corporate environment prior, you know, suits and a shirt and you had to wear, you know, certain certain things to look a part of I think, of the everyday life there, Yeah. whereas here we are, jeans <laughs> and a T-shirt, Patricia's coffee in hand, yeah. <laughs> and we're still making as great an impact in what we do in our careers, and it's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful.
0: Yeah. Where was that before? Can you talk about where you work? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So I, I worked for a couple of large corporates. Um, I started off in banking, so very corporate, and then moving through that, I was over into some health insurance businesses. So the last place I worked was at, which was actually quite a nice transition thinking about it now. So they really tried to kind of create, you know, sort of a, a bit more of a an environment where you could sit anywhere you wanted to, mingle with the crowd. You know, you didn't have to be at a certain desk at a certain time. So that was a, a kind of small transition, but it was still such a huge shock to go from, that type of culture into this like it's just it's yeah. so it's so free you know that I don't think once I've been in a situation where you're kind of asked oh where are you or what are you doing or hey are you around why aren't you in the office nine to five and yeah it's yeah it's quite flexible
0: yeah I'd like to talk to you a bit about what some of those big shocks have been for you and I can yeah. probably reflect on what they've been for me as well
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: before I ask you about that was why did you make the change? Was it was there an opportunity that came up or was there something, was there more of a catalyst than that?
1: Yeah, I think I didn't realise there was a catalyst. It was something that I think inside I'd always felt that I didn't really quite belong in the corporate world. But I forged a career in it anyway because A, I love business. I love having that sense of progression in my career And I was always given the opportunity to grow. So there was actually no reason to leave corporate land. It was just, so So I guess what the pivot point for me was I had my son who's now 18 months old and I still remember quite clearly I was on maternity leave at the time and I saw someone had sent a tweet, I'm quite active on Twitter, someone had sent a tweet saying, hey, Cogent need help hiring, so we need to hire. And I clicked on it thinking, okay, well, maybe there's someone in my network that I can refer on to these people.
0: You well, knew Cogent before then? No or?
1: idea. Okay. <laughs> no idea. Just had never come across Cogent. Yeah. So I clicked on the company, went down the Cogent rabbit hole and was just like, Oh, my God! I need to work with these guys and mind you, I loved Medibank. I was in a great position after maternity leave. I was due to go back into a bigger role that I was in, and they'd been super supportive through the whole process of you know taking some time off. But this pull to Cogent was so genuine and so real and I think a lot of people that are now hired at Cogen have gone through the same process where you start to stalk individuals on their LinkedIn personal websites. You go into their Twitter accounts and their own personal blogs and you get to know the people that work here even before you've met them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm
1: not sure how we've forged that, but but it's amazing to kind of at this point where it's like, wow, I want to be here. So I ended up uh, applying for the role and the role was really very different to what I was doing at Medibank. But I just knew I wanted to find out more about it. And I met with Marty, who's our founder, and, yeah, I I remember walking away from that conversation just feeling so at home. And I kept thinking along the way, this can't be real. Like, where's the trip up or where's the catch, you know, so, you know, I can work in a flexible environment, build, you know, a whole new role on my own and have all the flexibility in the world to still come back and be with my son in a really balanced way while still feeling as though, I guess, I'm really contributing to my career and to the career of others. Mm. So, yeah, quite a long way around all of that, but
0: back yeah. when you were looking going mm. down the Cogent rabbit hole, yes. what what were the things that were jumping out and really resonating with you?
1: Yeah, I think it was just for me, the point that I realized that you could work at Cogent and still have a side hustle or still have other interests outside of just working at Cogent. So, for example, you know, there's a couple of individuals that work here that have other interests that they've learnt to monetize and they've got, you know, other businesses out of it whilst having a, an amazing career here. And yeah. I knew I wanted to do that. Yeah. I knew that it wasn't for me just a, okay, come into a role and you're meant to just be, you know, a recruiter, finding people for Cogent and that's what you do. Yeah. And I think that's where me... And the corporate DNA just didn't quite flow that well. Mm. So when I was working at big corporates, I'd attempted to write, you know, a couple of blogs or, you know, do a couple of opinion pieces. And that was not looked upon favorably because obviously there was a corporate brand to be aware of. Whatever I said was reflective of the brand. There was none of that with Cogent. Yeah. It was um, it was great. You build your personal brand so long as you, you know, obviously bring Cogent along with you. How do we interweave with what your passions are and what you love doing? And yeah. um, that for me was the moment that the penny dropped and I realised that there was a world out there that could support this. <laughs> yeah. So it was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: No looking back, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that... I have similar thoughts as well about, ah, oh, this, this can actually work mm. because I guess, yeah, from my background, it didn't... I guess we, we all live in, a, in our own bubble to a larger or lesser degree. Yes. And it's often hard to conceive of a reality or a working situation, in specifically, specifically in regard to work, that exists differently to what we've currently got.
1: That's Right.
0: And so to come across something like this, and perhaps I'll interview Marty one day about how Cogen actually evolved as well, but it is a particularly unique consulting company. Very I think. unique. And for me, some of the things that resonate a lot are the values, particularly mm. around transparency, which yes, mm, yeah, I find quite remarkable about open salaries and how that permeates through all parts of the organisation and then a genuine, yeah. which I think is what you were alluding to as well, a genuine to, to look after people's personal wellbeing yes. as well, make sure people are well working here, like not expecting them to work ridiculous hours yes. and really trusting them to manage their own time in terms of you know kids or side hustles or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. You know, I, I don't think Marty will mind me saying this, but he once asked me, what's it going to take to keep you here for the rest of your career. And that just blew my mind away because it wasn't so much about how are we going to keep you engaged at Cogent. It was, I understand you've got other ambitions and you've got other passions that drive you just outside of that, sorry, that are outside of, you know, just Cogent. So how do we start to blend that together and how can we support you in that? Cogen have got an incubator process as well where you can pitch your idea, much like a shark tank or a planet of the apps, and (laughs) off you go. You can sort of say, look, this is the business, this is how it's making money, and it's an opportunity to gain some financial backing, or even outside of that, just mentoring. Mm. So you've got your own, you've got access to a founder who's created a thriving business, and not only that, you get great minds around, much like you, Adam, you know, who've invested into business and have been in venture capitalist pitches and, and whatnot, and where else can you find that? And this is just an amazing kind of, just an amazing people kind of pool to be in, if you like.
0: And yeah. And there's
1: a lot of like-mindedness Yeah. around that. So, yeah. But um, actually on that, I was recently reading, not quite sure the specific numbers around it, but into the 50 millions or so, Americans now have side hustles and they have forged careers out of their day jobs and created, you know, new kind of um, revenue pathways for themselves. And I think with my sort of HR people hat on, I start to think about how do we retain talent that is obviously so smart, commercially minded, connected, and we're losing them to potentially great ideas in their own businesses And how do we keep them engaged in their everyday roles? And I think it's we're starting to see a real blend of that now. We're going to have to Mm. if we're still wanting, you know, a bit of talent in-house as well and, you know, being able to cultivate that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. You know, it's interesting in regards to, I know you've got your own thing going on, so we can talk a bit about that too. But, yeah, just the changing nature of work is something that really interests me as well. And, I mean, just blending a few different thoughts here, but Mm. one of the things that stands out to me about cogent is, and I'm still getting used to, I guess it's a bit of a surprise, is just the freedom to be myself.
1: Yes. Oh, we were talking about this, yes. Yeah, and
0: not to have to put on a certain front or say what I think should be said, but to say what I actually think. Mm. And there's a real, there's a genuine acceptance of that around cogent. but. Mm. And part of that is, you know, I can talk about the other things that I work on openly and there's no need to kind of keep them... It's
1: welcomed. Yeah, it's
0: welcomed. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, so, I mean, I think you're probably in talking to people on a daily basis who are looking for jobs in the job market and, and, and doing the kind of research that you're doing, you're probably seeing this much more than I am. But, mm. So I'm interested in your thoughts, but just on how people consider themselves in relation to an organisation mm. and how long they want to stay there and the blending, like yeah. you were saying, of other side projects and the organisation. Like where do you see that going over the next few years? Okay, yeah. it
1: is, and and I love this subject because it's evolving and it's evolving quicker than we know. Yeah. In fact, I think in many ways Australia is playing catch-up. So if you look at, you know, I think if you look at why, a lot of great talent leaves an employment market, it's because they don't feel they're in an environment that fosters their own personal interests. I think that's what it really comes down to. Mm. And employers now have to start thinking about that critically. How do we continue to grow amazing talent for, yes, your employment brand, but also start to look at things in a unique way. So, you know, there is definitely a huge shift and a huge change that's happening. It's a mindset change and I think in some industries we're moving quicker than others. So in tech, it's so welcomed because, you know, obviously in tech there's always new ideas, there's new opportunities, new apps, new everything that's coming coming about. But in some kind of older type of industries, you know, picking government or education, for example, it's a big mind shift and it could take a lot longer. Yeah. But individuals now more than ever before have had an opportunity now to have a voice. So through podcasts, through blogs, even through Facebook or their LinkedIn channels and it's a way that I think employers can start to look at individuals to not only talk about their employment brand but what awesome talent they have in-house and other interests they have as well yeah. and start to really foster that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, let's talk about you then and your example. Yes. What is your side hustle My stars? side hustle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of hard to define the side hustle kind of thing, isn't it, right? But Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just say side hustle because it's easier to yeah. kind of relate to that. But, um. okay, so my side hustle, I run a careers community. Uh, it's web-based. It's the careersemporium.com. And it all started from the fact that I had – just about 10 years of recruiting, HR experience, all in my head. And, you know, you'd start to get friends who would sit down and buy your coffee and genuinely look at you and say, I feel lost in my career. I don't know what to do. Um, you're in recruitment stuff, aren't you? Help me. Yeah. And I just found I love talking about it. <laughs> and it was a, a really cool way to get a sense of, what's going on in people's minds. And career is so interlinked to so many things, right? Your happiness, your financial well-being, you know, things that interest you, impacts the way that you act around your friends and your family. And it's so important to feel passion and purpose in your career. If not, you're spending the majority of your day in an environment where you're not inspired. And no one wants to live that way, right? No, no. And so that's where the Careers Emporium really came from. I started writing blogs about it as I spoke to individuals. They would inspire me and I'm like, you know, if this is speaking to one person, That's my goal. That's fantastic. As it so turns out, the community has now grown and it's fantastic. You know, know, a lot of interaction through, you know, Facebook, through my blog, I've got a YouTube channel, all all sorts of things in terms of how I deliver content. Mm. But it's the individual messages that come back that say, you've really spoken to me or you've really helped me. So I've created a, a resources library on the website just full of kind of free worksheets and workbooks how to speak to your manager about a salary negotiation, yeah. how to structure a cover letter, for example, how to develop your own career plan and keep yourself on that on that path So keep, you know, your goals quite clear. And they're just really tactical, practical things that individuals who are career-minded can use. Yeah. And it's kind of really I've realised it was hard to get those resources and it's been wonderful, you know, to kind of be able to share share the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What, with the group of people that you're talking to, like, where where do you see them getting stuck a lot? Like, where, you know, how, mm. how are you helping them the most?
1: Yeah. There's, there's probably three main categories, right? So the first category is almost like a barrier to entry for grads. And that's really hard, I think, for grads who have just gone through three plus years of study and... They've been told they don't have commercial experience, so we can't hire you. Mm. That's the first barrier. The second is once you crack through that, it's really around how you crack through the leadership level. So, you know, you've been working, grinding hard for three to five years in a delivery role and you've suddenly realised that you want to have greater influence in a business and they're not quite sure how to do that or prove that or stand out from from their crowd, their mm. peers and colleagues. So there's that level of, hey, how do I have that really meaningful conversation with my manager to prove that I'm ready for that next stage? Yeah. And the third area that I'm really speaking to a lot of people about is they've gone through maybe 10 years of commercial experience. And they've just realised they're really lost. They're lost. They've been caught up in this whole kind of corporate climbing ladder thing and they've suddenly just, it's like scales have fallen from their eyes and they've just gone, what am I doing? What, yeah, why am yeah. I here? Yeah. Why am I working for the man? You know, much like you and I maybe you have been in that same space. And, yeah. and I think at that 10-year mark you start to go, I've got so much experience that I can share and give and there's so many different forms that my career can take on now at this point, but I'm not quite sure which way to go or how to get there. Yeah. So they're sort of the three areas.
0: Let's drill into that third group. Cause, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely was in that in that stage probably for a, a considerable period of time as yes. well. Yes, yeah. And I had my own ways of trying to get through it and I was a bit stop-start. Like I, I studied a master's, I got out of IT for a while and ran a co-working space like this one mm. and then found myself back in the job that I was doing as well. Now You can talk about, you know, you can talk about the people you're talking to, but just to reflect on my own experience, there was a couple of barriers for me. I yeah. think one was I was kind of addicted to my salary and my lifestyle. Oh,
1: yeah, yep.
0: And I needed to uh, shake that addiction and realise that, okay, I could live on less. Mm -hmm. It might mean a few changes, but actually those changes might even be better for me. Yes. That was probably the major one for me. Yes. And the second one was, I guess, just making that transition as well. Like I I sort of did it in a few fits and spurts, Mm -hmm. if you like. I did it once. I came back to what I knew uh, because I didn't, I, I sort of did it once. I didn't know how to make the next step after that. So I went from IT consulting to co-working space. I didn't know how to then get the next co-working space job or the next thing. Yes. So I went back to old ground yes. in a way, which was good in the end, but it actually it would have been better if I could have gone straight to the next thing. So yes. that, I think they were the two. And then the third one was maybe an inability or a, you know, a, it took me a while to learn how to really tap into what I wanted and what yeah. gave me meaning
1: and yes. purpose yes. as well.
0: And then once I could do that and trust that and then develop the courage to act on it, yeah. that's when I guess all those things lined up.
1: Yeah, for me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Anyway. And you know, just hearing you sort of talk about going back to what you knew and that kind of safe point. I talked to a lot of my career clients about this, where it's okay to kind of, you know, you know, you want to do something different. So off you go, you're walking through the desert all of a sudden you feel like you're in the wilderness, you're not quite sure where you're going and it's just this vast land. Then you see an oasis and that's the whole like, you feel like you're going backwards, but you're actually moving forward, but you're just in a place that feels safe. Mm. You know, you've got food, you've got resources, you've got shade and it gives you time to reset and think before you head back into that, that desert or that wilderness to then head to your next oasis. And I think there is, a lot of value in doing that and there's a misconception that you know you kind of go from one career to another and it's a 180 pivot point it doesn't work that way yeah you know I heard this beautiful analogy once about how you know you can't just suddenly turn a massive like ship like the Titanic right it's all through small increments to get from where you're at to a 180 point And that's okay. You know, I think it's the small steps you take. And what that means practically is reading the right blogs, surrounding yourself by the right network, immersing yourself in cool podcasts, you know, learn from others. And we live in an informational society where it's so easy to get inspired by a community that's out there. So that's always, you know, my sort of number one tip. But... I think there is definitely something in there about feeling addicted to salary and the money thing and a sense of progression. Mm. I wrote a blog recently about money versus happiness and how that interlinks or if it does at all. And, you know, I think at the conclusion of all of that, it was sort of my own musings and my own less personal lessons. But I did something very similar to you. I walked away from great salary i was in a point in my career where i was about to crack that next leadership level you know i was gunning for a gm role and i just suddenly went why like why am i doing this and it's not going to make me happier in fact i'd just had a baby and it was probably going to take more time away from me and essentially time for me was happiness because i got to spend that more with my son yeah. so a lot of things rebalance you know, as you start to shift and you know, life things happen, yeah. I decided to make the move and move into you know, a startup land, create my own business, and I followed happiness. But you know what the magical thing was in all of that? That when you follow happiness, money follows anyway, yeah. because people follow your passion and passion becomes monetized. However, you you might not be able to visualise that where you are in your current position, but it does happen. I've seen it. I've seen it happen with so many people that I've spoken to and mentored, and it's amazing what forms that takes on. Yeah. Same as with you, no doubt.
0: Yeah. I think for me it's still, still a work in progress in many ways.
1: That's the exciting thing, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think for me that's the reflection too, that, I guess for some people it might be quite instantaneous, and maybe they're the stories that get publicised a bit more because yes. they're a bit they're overnight sensational. success. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I think maybe there's a, maybe the majority. I don't know, but for a lot of other people, it is a bit more like that Titanic. It is gradual steps, and mm. it is a slow shifting. And that's been my experience too. Like where I look at where I was, say three years ago to now, yeah. I'm closer to the direction. That direction yes and it's and I can see there's some things lining up and I don't know exactly how it's all going to work out but yeah it's it's been a realignment that's taken I guess a course correction that's taken quite a bit of time yeah. and yeah. I, you know and in the end that time won't be that much of a concern no It'll just be, yeah, that's how long it took and yeah. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yes. I don't really care how long it took.
1: No, that's right. And yeah. I think what a lot of people don't realise is those that have had the overnight success have actually had that grind. You just didn't get to see that. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, you read all these like, books of amazing entrepreneurs that have had overnight success and they actually miss this bit where you <laughs> get a bit lost, you're kind of making left and right turns for no particular reason, yeah. opportunities that... Kind of insight for you are no longer you know, and I think that's that's kind of the exciting bit I honestly Adam cannot imagine being back in an environment where I'm gunning for every year to get an incremental salary increase, and that's what you know that's what my whole year has led up to this one point where my employer puts a value on me yeah I mean it was that's that was my thrill, similar to you two to three years ago, yeah. And sometimes it was great and sometimes it was so disappointing. But I think where I am now is I'm, I'm in control of that. Mm. And if I'm disappointed, it's because I didn't push hard enough or I didn't try something hard enough and I'm going to do that. And that's so much more thrilling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and I think that's just the way generally careers are going to be now for every individual. Mm. We're moving very much into that
0: you know, in, into that sort of environment. It brings me to another question about um, organisations as well and how, you know, just thinking about what you're saying and I mean, Cogent's on certainly well down this track. I guess maybe I'm thinking a bit more broadly and even how Cogent might need to evolve over the coming years. But yeah. how, how can... Maybe I'll talk about what I think and then you can say what you think. But yeah. The question's about how can organise what co- organisation is going to have to look like as people almost demand time to work on their side thing. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm starting to think, say, for me, where I think I'm going is that I want to be, I want to get really good at creating new ventures, mm-hmm. and getting them off the ground, regardless of what they are, as long as they're sort of aligned with my values and purpose yep. and bringing good into the world. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, whether it's a podcast or my breath mints or a, you know, a software startup or whatever it is, I want to get good at that. And yes. I can kind of, I'm starting to imagine, like, I'm a product manager at Cogent, but I'm imag- I can imagine Cogent kind of creating space for me to enable that mm-hmm. yeah. still within the organisation and supporting what I want to do as well.
1: Yes.
0: And... And what an incredible
1: employer that would be, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's that's perfect. That's what where we need to be heading.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I guess that's it's a bit of a, a leading question, yes. if you like. But yeah. yeah, do you think is that is that how you imagine organisations behave or having to behave over the as they evolve over the next decade or so?
1: If they don't want to lose fantastic talent, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, you know, Cogen are more than halfway there, if not already there. You know, I think that discussion is not even – it's its almost just, if that's what you want to do, Adam, let's make way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: you know, you're pretty much there. Okay. Having that discussion – I know I'm picking on big corporates, but having that discussion with big corporates will take a much longer amount of time.
0: Until they're ready to have that discussion? Until that they're mean?
1: ready – And I think, I think we're still a little way, way off from that. In saying that, I think corporates are trying to do what they can, right? It's a, you know, it's a much bigger machine. You're starting to see kind of sprouts of incubators coming up within. You know, especially some of the banks, they've got their own internal incubators or they're starting to recognise that, hey, our individuals actually have amazing ideas. We could monetize that and we're going to do that through connecting individuals to venture capitalists that might be able to link that back to creating money for us. Yeah. So there's a form of that happening. Yeah. But we're so lucky to be in a situation like this, working for an employer like Cogent who aren't necessarily going to have... A capital investment in mind, mm. but it's more about how do we enable you to do what you want to do. Yeah, and if that means that Cogent get money from that, or um, can somehow you know have a bit of a sta- equity stake in some of the ventures or some of the products you create. Fantastic, thumbs up.
0: Yeah, I wonder also, like you know, thinking about how corporates might struggle, mm. I mean, startups might struggle with this as well because I think there's my experience has been with startups is that there's often a like you give everything to that startup. Like Burn the
1: midnight oil. Eighty
0: hours a week. Yes. Like and for, you know, a big payoff one day. Like that's why you're doing it. Yeah. So that, you know, sacrifice now, sacrifice your well being and everything for that payoff. Mm. And I wonder if that is that the attitude of, you know, the emerging employees gonna change that as well that you know actually I want to look after myself and I want to work on this other thing and contribute what I can to your organization too.
1: Yeah Yeah. well I think that's why you know we're seeing startups really struggle to hang on to talent that they recruit. Very very broad numbers here but average startups do suffer through a 50% retention rate. Yeah. And there are multiple factors to that usually linked to funding. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real here. But it's also because there are these other kind of softer skills that, you know, how do you kind of manage an individual who's also equally ambitious to have their own startup one day? And many a time you're recruiting individuals who are drawn to a startup because they want to eventually create their own products and they want to learn from you. Mm. And that's just the reality of it. So we're going to start seeing shorter, um, I guess, employment tenures um, because of, you know, kind of this sort of new age way of working, if you like. Yeah. But in that shorter amount of time that someone's working for your startup, for your business, for a large corporate, they're going to be injecting a whole lot of value there. So I think that's where we're going to start to measure it fairly differently. Yeah. So if we bring someone in for a 12-month period, what can they deliver on? It's no longer about how do we put you on a career path to success? It's going to be great. I can help you if you can help me and let's do this together in tandem. And the conversation's gonna be very different about perhaps we can have a future partnership when you do decide to start something else. Yeah. I wanna still be very much involved with you, vice versa. You know, so I think they're the sorts of very, very different conversations we'll start having. Yeah. Mm.
0: That's sort of alluding to that concept that I've heard, you know, it's been around for a while now, I guess, but that gig economy kind of term where, you know, it's not, maybe it's the organisation gets formed for a period of time Mm. based on individuals coming together and working together on a specific project and then it's kind of disbanded as well. And so there's a lot of people working for themselves, which they already are, but it becomes much more the norm and I guess echoing that, you know, shorter employment tenure that you were referring to Mm. there, but people coming together for a short period of time to work on a specific thing because they together they add a lot of value and then going their separate ways again.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that's really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I think growing up you kind of get told, oh, you know, pursue this career and you'll have a job for life. Say that now to a millennial or, you know, your seven-year-old or a nine-year-old child and they're just like, God, a job for life. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. I don't want a job for life. I no. want to have freedom and flexibility, room to create. I don't think our kids are going to be growing up wishing they had a stepped career path somewhere at a, in an organization for 25 plus years. Yeah. Sounds like a form of hell to them. It <laughs> probably sounds like a form of hell to me if you yeah. think about it that way. But, yeah. you know, I think it's really about if you have a 25 or 30-year-plus career, let's look under the hood and see how awesome and messy and crazy and insane it looks. So I think that changes, it changes so much, doesn't it, in, yeah. our, in our career economy yeah. where you no longer look at a resume and go, oh, Adam's had so much movement oh, he's a bad employee. Instead, it's like, great, look at all this movement. He's been used to change. He's adaptable to various stakeholders. He's okay with failure. Oh, that business that he invested in failed. We can learn a lot from him because of that. Mm. It's, It's changing. Yeah. So I'm excited by it.
0: Yeah. I think it's exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions for you as we start to wrap up. The first is around something that you daydream about disrupting one day that you're not actually disrupting at the moment. So, you know, is there something that you think, oh, one day I'd just love to be part of that. Like after I've finished this careers, you know, people excel in their careers and get through these hurdles in their careers. I, I really think I could get involved in that. Is there something that comes to mind?
1: Oh, gosh. That one's really hard. I feel like I need some good thinking time on that. <laughs> I love that you've asked it, though. But I'm like, geez, I don't think there's anything that's just like going to come to me front of mind. No. It probably will at like 11 o'clock tonight. i be like, I need to call Adam. <laughs> 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 I've got it, I've got it. Can we sit back down with the microphone? <laughs>
0: yeah. We can do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just inject it in. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to that. Did you have, did you say you had a yeah, second question? Yeah, I've got a question? second one. Okay, yeah. right. so the
0: second one is about... About So this, the podcast is called Subtle Disruptors and it's about the small changes or the little acts that we can all do to make a significant impact, mm. maybe in aggregate, but maybe in isolation as well, the small changes that can have a large change. And it's about yourself and a small change that you've made in your own life that's you know had a, an important change in what you've done or sustained you along the way or a small thing that you do. Is there something small to be interesting for other people to hear about?
1: Oh, look, what really changed my my life was really pinpointing what makes me happy. So we've talked about this, but that has changed so much of the way I structure my lifestyle because I am often asked, how do you run a household of kids, work full-time for cogent recruiting, run a careers community, create content for YouTube, write blogs, blah, 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 blah. And it all leads to the fact that what I do makes me so happy. It doesn't feel like work. I would rather spend time when the kids are in bed with a glass of wine writing a blog rather than sitting on the couch watching Netflix, Yeah, you know, or I don't know. Maybe that's untrue for Game of Thrones. But, (laughs) um, you know, but I think if you can find where your happiness is, it drives passion, Passion drives amazing opportunities mm. and it's disrupted my world personally and I think a lot of my family and my friends still aren't really keeping up with what's happening here but I'm, I'm finding so much more happiness and balance and wellness in my life because of it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Do you have an answer to that? I just don't. Can
1: you edit that bit <laughs> out? Edit it out. Edit I can it edit out. it out.
0: <laughs> well, let me try. I'll try once more.
1: Isn't that terrible? I really wish I did have that.
0: When you, is there, are there, are there things you look around at now and say that's that's out of whack? Like that is just not right. That, mm. Somebody needs, somebody might not be me, but somebody needs to do something about that. Yeah. Is there something that comes to mind when I say well, that? Well,
1: I think it really is, again, in the theme of what we spoke about is, helping employers understand that it's okay for your staff and employees to have passions outside of work that they can pursue without it being a threat or a conflict of interest to what they're actually achieving for you. Yeah, And I'm on a mission to try and blend out those lines and Make that grayness become super clear and help it become the norm, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it, yeah, but I'm going to do it by leading through example and finding individuals that are doing this successfully,
0: yeah,
1: and hand on heart, cogent is really leading the way for this, and it's amazing, so you know if i can if I can contribute to that new world society way of thinking employers, employees, blending passions and their own commercial kind of driven outcomes, I'm a happy chappy. Yeah,
0: I think you are leading the way in, <laughs> in many ways by example and, and through what you're doing here at Cogent and then through your community stuff that you're building as well. Yeah. So And through, you know, talking about it on this yeah. podcast. So thank you very much <gasps> for Thanks so much awesome for having me, you. Adam. It was great and,
1: yeah, it's great to work
0: with you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for listening. The question I was left pondering after my time with Ruby was, can transparency about needs and wants create trust and bring freedom and benefits to both humans and corporations? If you feel like sharing your thoughts on my conversation with Ruby, you can do so by posting something on the Facebook page through Twitter or Instagram, or even by sending me an email to adam.subtledisruptors.com. And of course, let me know if there are subtle disruptors you think I should know about. Next week, I'll be giving an update on some new thoughts I've had for the podcast With the week after that, a new episode coming out from Matt Devine from Noosa on sustainable food wraps and living off the grid. I'm Adam Murray, and I hope you feel a little more encouraged, connected, and resolute in your own quest of subtle disruption. Bye for now.